And I, I, I mentioned again last week, we've seen it again and again and again in the book of Acts. It challenges us to, to look at our faith. It challenges us to make sure that we are authentic believers in the biblical Christ. It's not, uh, it's not about adding Christ to, to whatever, you, whatever else you believe. That's syncretism, as we saw last week. It's not about believing in something that you heard about someplace. Oh, I, I, I remember the, uh, the Jewish exorcist last week said, I, uh, I, I proclaim to you in the, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, not the name of Jesus that he knew. And so uh, it, it needs to be a Jesus we know. And so it continues to ask us, uh, the, the book of Acts continues to ask us, do, are we in authentic believers in the biblical Christ? And we're going to see that again today. In fact, what we're going to see today is how, uh, how belief in Christ changes everything. It doesn't just change and transform the person who believes in Christ. It changes everything they, they see, everything about them, everything about the world they live in. Think for just a minute what it would be like if a great awakening or, or a great revival happened in America. Think how it would change America. How much of our economy and, 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 and everything, really, our structures, everything is built around money, power, and fame. How much would it change if we, came to, if we had a great awakening and people came to Christ and changed things? It would change our economy. It would change our, our TV shows. It would, it would literally change everything. And we're going to see that in, where, in the passage that we're going to read today. Because we're going to see what happens when godly values, when coming to Christ, changes an entire city. And we see that with Ephesus. So let's, let's read Ephesians chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 23. And it is up here behind me. About that time, there was a major disturbance about the way. For a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. And when he had assembled them as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, Men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that the gods made by hand are not gods. Not only do we risk, run a risk that our businesses may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin. The very one, all of Asia, Asia and the world, worship. And I'm going to add one more verse here. When they heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So we see, well, let's talk about the context first. We see what's going on here, but let's talk about the context. In the context, Paul is still in Ephesus. Now, as we read all the way through chapter 19 and, and into chapter 20, we see that Paul actually spends three years in, in, uh, in Ephesians, or Ephesus, rather. So he's preaching, 
and riots and disturbances are happening because he's, of what he's preaching. Does Christianity change a culture? The obvious re- answer is yes, but as we look at our culture, how has our culture been affected by Christianity? Because, unfortunately, I think our culture still is all about money, power, and fame. I don't think it's about Christ. I think it's about money, power, and fame. And so everything is built around money, power, and fame. Everything is built around the idea that there is no personal responsibility. I mean, we have a shooting, you blame the gun. We have a crooked politician, you blame the system. What happened to personal responsibility, right? Because God's way, God's values, are always about personal responsibility. We are personally responsible for our sin. So... The, the, the current culture that we have does not look Christian. And that's kind of the context here in Acts, what, because we've got the worship of Diana or Artemis. She's known by both names. And this temple is in Ephesus. And I mentioned last week, this, this temple is huge. It is one of the seven wonders of the world. It had, I believe, 127 pillars around it that were 60 feet tall. This is a monster temple built to Diana or Artemis, whichever you want to call her. And so now now Paul comes and the gospel starts to encroach upon the culture of Ephesus. And now here these guys are, and we have a problem, right? Because these guys make money off the worship of Diana or Artemis. That's how they make their living. He said they even found prosperity there. And now Christianity has come. Paul has, has come, he spread the gospel, and, and now we have this, this confrontation between the world's way and the way. Now, it, you noticed in verse 23 it said, it talked about the way, and I've mentioned this before, uh, we've seen it before in our study of Acts. This is what believers called Christianity. And it comes from, John 14, 6, what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. Now, we, in our culture, tend, because I think probably enlightenment happened in, I don't know, what was it, 1600s, 1700s. We had the Enlightenment Age, and then, so we focus on the truth there, Jesus being the truth. They focused on Jesus being the way, because this is Jewish believers. Remember, Paul always went to the synagogue first. He always preached in the synagogue first. And so these are people who who thought the way to God was obedience to the law, obedience to the rituals, the sacrificial system, the temple. And so Paul is preaching to them, that's not the way to God. Jesus is the way to God. And so that's, that's how this, this, uh, the believers of the time picked up this moniker, if you will, this title of the way. So they're, they're calling themselves the way. We know, it, it, again, it's been a while, but uh, it's uh, Acts chapter 11. They're called Christians for the first time in Antioch. But that was meant derisively. That was meant as a put down. Your little Christs or your Christs 
sons is kind of how it, what that Christian meant. And so it was meant as a put down. The way is what believers called themselves. We were part of the way because Jesus is the way to God. It isn't about the ritual, the religion, the, the sacrificial system, the law. It's about Jesus. So they call themselves the way. And because you have the way working its way through Ephesus, you have this major disturbance, it says. A major disturbance happens. You know, every culture survives on, on the dynamic of conformity. We conform to a certain set of values and a certain set of behaviors that we believe are acceptable or unacceptable. And a problem occurs when those values and behaviors shift. A new culture impacts an old culture at these areas, at the areas of what do you value and at the areas of what behaviors are acceptable and unacceptable. That's exactly where Christianity or the way impacted Ephesus. They could no longer do the worship of Diana or Artemis because there was a, a new culture of what's valued and what's, what behaviors are acceptable and unacceptable. So these two, these two cultures clash here and cause this major disturbance. And notice how they react. Do you get the feeling that we kind of, in this little passage that we read, we're, we're kind of eavesdropping on what the non-Christian says about Christians, aren't we? You kind of get this, this, here's a group of guys meeting saying, Man, these Christians, these people of the way, they are wrecking our economy. They're wrecking what, uh, our, our national pride. We are the place of the Temple of Diana, and, and now they're, they're wrecking that. They're, we, get, we get kind of, we're eavesdropping on a conversation that, that I really kind of wonder what that conversation would look like in our community. Because they are clearly impacting the community. They are clearly setting up the world's way versus the way. We see how that sets up. And, and, and again, I'll say our culture is about popularity or fame, money and power. Those are the things that, are, that, that money is spent on. Who, do we, who are the highest paid people in our culture? Entertainment people. Not, not first responders, not people that, not teachers, not those that actually contribute to society. The entertainment folks get all the money. We worship money, power, and fame in our culture. So think about what would happen if America had this great awakening, this revival. Think about the things that would be different. I think salaries would, would, would shift I think TV shows would be completely different. The internet would maybe not even exist anymore. Social media may not exist anymore. Uh, everything would change. Ponder for, as, as we continue this, ponder what would be different in our society if, if, we, if Christianity impacted the culture in such a way that it began to change like it did in Ephesus. Ephesus is, is facing this monster change in culture because of the Christians there. And as I, I said last week, 
Ephesus, 15 or 20 years from this, Ephesus becomes a center of Christianity. It becomes a hub of Christianity. It completely changes the culture. But at this point, we're, we're eavesdropping in on this conversation of the guys that are being, uh, being impacted by the culture of Christianity, by the culture of the way, because we know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that impacts everything, not just the person, the culture, the society, what the person values, what behaviors are acceptable and unacceptable. All of these things are impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens in Ephesus. Now, in our society, what we see people often do is, and, and you've read about them in the paper, they try and remove themselves from the culture. They go into communes or, or camps or those kind of things to the point where they can't be, they don't want to be affected by the culture that, that's around them. Well, what's the problem with that? What we see here in, 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 is the church in Ephesus impacting the culture it found itself in. That's the mission of the church. The mission of the church, including this one, is to impact the culture where we're placed. That's our job. That's what we're here for. If you, do you want to know why when you came to Christ you weren't immediately sucked up to heaven? Because you still have somebody to impact. Because you still have a, a, the gospel to tell. You still have a, a culture to affect. Jesus said we are to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative it, it, uh, and, and a pure, purifying agent. And light exposes darkness. That's our job. And, and as a church, our job is to impact the culture we're placed in. It's not an accident that we happen to be placed right here. It's, it's God's will, and, and God's will that we impact the culture around us so that what happens in Ephesus happens here, that, that everything changes, the culture changes. So what does this mean for us? We know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know the way, the truth, and the life. And we know life as it is now, isn't, our culture isn't the way it's supposed to be. We know the differences between Christianity's culture and the world's culture. Our mission as Christians, as a church, is to impact this culture. It's to change it. It's to transform it. It's to make our values the values of the culture, to make our, our behaviors, what's acceptable and unacceptable, it, those into our culture. That's our mission. That's what the church did here. The church of Ephesus did not find itself in an easy place. It was the temple to Diana, one of the seven wonders of the world, one of the largest temples of the time. And the church found itself in that culture where everything in that town was built around worship of Diana. And they brought the gospel there and impacted everybody. Again, 
We see the meeting. We're seeing the meeting of the people that are being impacted by the Christian culture. And they're, they're saying, what do we do now? This is how we make our money. This is what we've always been known as. This is the way we've always done things. And now this Christian culture, this the way, has come and changed everything. That's what we're after as a church in our country. We are going to face... We're going to face folks like Demetrius and his friends here. We're going to face folks for economic reasons, for cultural reasons, for, for their sense of history. They're going to find reasons to come against the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's us. Our mission as a church is to engage the culture we find ourselves in, to engage the culture God has placed us in. That's our mission. You know, I, I keep saying that this is like eavesdropping on a, on a conversation. What do you think our community says about us? We have a lot of outreach programs into the community. The, the, the chaplaincy, the, the homeless, uh, the, uh, the women's study, the men's study. The, all, we have a lot of outreach into this community. What would the community, what, if we could overhear a conversation like this from our community, what would we hear? Would we hear that these people stand for Christ? Or would we hear about syncretism or, or uh, worship in ignorance? What would we hear? You know, some years ago, many years ago now, I asked the leadership of our church a question. All of the, the deacons and, and all of the ministry leaders, I asked them the question, if we closed our doors today, who would notice I ask you that question. Who would notice if we weren't here? Would our community notice the difference? Would there be a vacuum left? Would there be a void left? Because if not, we're not working hard enough. If not, we are not taking the gospel into our community enough. I think this passage shows us what a church is supposed to do. I think it shows us that the church in Ephesus found itself in a culture kind of like ours, but much harder to reach. And they engaged it. And they changed it. They transformed it with the gospel. That's our mission. Are you ready for that mission? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Are you ready for the mission of taking the gospel into our community? of affecting change in our community, our, the place, the culture, the society that God's placed us in. Are you ready for that mission? Will you make a commitment to God right now? Between you and God, will you make a, a commitment to affect the culture you're in? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this church in Ephesus that gives us gives us such strength and such challenge to engage our culture where we are. Give us this kind of power. Give us this kind of strength to engage this community where you've placed us with the gospel, with the truth, 
empower us to be salt and light here where you have, have placed us. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.